trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. This program exists not to tell you what to think, nor to convince you how smart and good looking I am, which would be a pretty much impossible task anyway. Nope. I am here to uh, help you and to encourage you to think more clearly and independently. And that doesn't mean you have to agree with whatever I'm talking about or whoever I'm interviewing. It's, uh, it's more a matter of just let's look more closely at the principles at stake. Let's be less certain of what makes us angry and what, uh, who or what we're against. Let's know who we are. Let's know what we stand for. And if that rings the right chords in you, then please pull up a chair. Come and find courage and camaraderie with your fellow wrong thinkers as we engage in thoughtful, informative commentary and interview for people interviews rather for people who enjoy thinking for themselves. Got some great sponsors who make this possible on a day-to-day basis. Let me send a little love their way. That includes MonticelloCollege.org, LifesavingFood.com. I tip my hat to the great team, the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage in St. George, Utah, as well as the Sewing and Quilting Center in St. George, HSLAmmo.com, and GovernYourIncome.com. If you want to get a little closer look at any one of these sponsors, I've got a special link on my website. That's the Brian Hyde Show. So I wanted to start today with some clarification. I used a word the other day that uh, caught a few people off guard. Okay, a couple of people asked me, what, what is this panarchy you were talking about? I know it sounds a lot like anarchy. Aren't we supposed to be scared of anarchy, right? Uh, doesn't that mean there's no rules? It's just the law of the jungle? Well, okay, first by way of explanation, anarchy, if you break it down, simply means an, the, the prefix an means without Archis, I guess it comes from a Greek word that refers to rulers. So what it means is without rulers. You don't need to be ruled as opposed to there are no rules. Far less scary thing than than you've been led to believe. But then again, the people who are saying, oh, that's a dangerous bomb throwing, you know, tooth and fang kind of existence are usually the people who are looking for one or more ways to exercise power or to bring you under their authority so that uh, you will do whatever they tell you. But that's not panarchy either. So let's talk about what panarchy is. Time to explore the difference between being free to choose and being forced to choose between artificially limited options when it comes to your governance. So the political definition of panarchy is, you know, you, you get to choose which government you want to live under. And I haven't found a better down-and-dirty explanation of the blessings of panarchy than the one offered by Paul Rosenberg. And he calls it the blessings of panarchy. Now he says, whatever complaints we may have about the U.S. Constitution, it's hard not to appreciate this phrase in its preamble. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Now the problem, of course, he says, is that the word liberty has been so abused that it no longer has a clear meaning. It's used as a hooray for us term and not a great deal more. And he points out here, properly, liberty is a condition in which an individual's will regarding their own person and property are unopposed by any other will. Or in simple speech, it's where we can do whatever we want so long as we don't hurt 
anyone else. Still, he says, I like the phrase in the Constitution, so I'd like to substitute a fresh term, panarchy. So the improved phrase would uh, run like this, to secure the blessings of panarchy to ourselves and our posterity. Now, Paul Rosenberg says that is meaningful, even within the storm of distraction and distortion that is our modern world. So from here, he goes into an explanation of political freedom. And he says, for those of you who are unfamiliar with panarchy, it refers to a condition of live and let live, explicitly including political choices. In other words, panarchy means freedom of choice, including political choice. Now, a condition of panarchy is one where you can choose what kind of government you will be ruled by, or you could choose to be ruled by none at all. That's actual free choice as opposed to the political version of free choice, which means come choose between the options we give you. That one ought to be familiar. (laughs) The truth is that none of us in the modern West enjoys political freedom. Now, we're permitted to fight about the political details, but we're not free to choose ways of life other than the ones provided to us. And it's because of this that political powers blather on and on about liberty because it deflects attention from the true state of affairs. Now, he says, please bear in mind, panarchy and political freedom hearken directly back to John Locke's second treatise on government and his definition of mankind's natural state. Quote, to understand political power aright and derive from its original, derive from it its original, we must consider what a state all men are naturally in, and that is a state of perfect freedom to order their actions and dispose of their possessions and persons as they see fit, as they think fit, rather, within the bounds of the laws of nature, without asking leave or depending upon the will of any other man. End quote. Again, these are the words of John Locke. Now, Paul Rosenberg says, look, also bear in mind, this was the foundation of the American Revolution. Among other things, Jefferson held Locke to be one of the three greatest men who ever lived. In fact, Samuel Adams wrote this about John Locke in 1771. Mr. Locke has been often quoted in the present dispute between Britain and her colonies, and very much to our purpose. His reasoning is so forceful that no one has even attempted to disprove it. So what does panarchy look like in practice, you're probably wondering. Well, Paul Rosenberg says panarchy delivers political freedom in addition to physical and economic freedom. Here are the kinds of choices that are available to us all under panarchy. Do you think a constitutional republic is the best model of all hu- of human organization? Then he says, great, go ahead, set one up. Well, what if you think a monarchy is best? No problem, set one up. No one will oppose you. Or would you prefer a voluntarist arrangement? Paul Rosenberg says, go for it. Want to build an anarcho-syndicalist system? Whether or not most of us think that's a great idea... You remain free to try. There's only one limitation for any set of arrangements, and that is you can't force anyone into your plan. We all remain free to choose with no one forcing or forbidding. Now, of course, the response that many people have been trained to give is, well, that can't work. It really can't work. But Paul Rosenberg says what that really means is I must kill that concept. And he says it's seldom more than a knee-jerk opposition to something taking place outside the status quo. And he says the wild thing about this is that the people who object have no way of knowing that what they're saying is true. Nothing but the system they idolize is permitted, and this has been the case for a long, long time. 
Now, the last time we had a chance to experiment with political freedom in the West was in parts of North America during the 18th and 19th centuries, before alternatives to the system were violently suppressed. And that went pretty well for those who stayed westward of power, even in wild country. As for working out the practical details, well, that's simple enough. The problem is that political types instantly demand a full, foolproof plan covering every detail. And Paul Rosenberg says that's not only silly, but the plan would become obsolete on the second day. The solution, he says, is to simply get out of the way and let people act on their own. That's what free markets do, isn't it? And they usually work quite well. So the demand for a perfect plan in advance is, first of all, impossible. But second of all, it would be almost useless if it were possible. Thirdly, and most directly, he said it's just a delaying tactic. The true purpose of demanding that perfect plan, show me how this would work, is just to freeze people in place. So to get very to the point, he says, panarchy is moral. It's a better model. It delivers actual liberty. Panarchy would secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. And if not perfectly, nothing's going to be perfect at this stage of human development, it would certainly be better than the political systems that killed 262 million people in the 20th century. Now, the bar for panarchy to surpass is frightfully low. And all that really stands in its way, he says, is superstition. By the way, if you wonder about that number, 262 million people killed by political systems, I believe that's accurate. And I believe Professor R.J. Rummel uh, coined the phrase democide, by which he's referring to death by government, to describe how governments, that's just in the 20th century alone, killed 262 million people. Not terrorists, not anarchists, not drug dealers. Governments organized violence against targeted groups of people. That's outside of war. We're talking genocides. So pay close attention. There is a lot at stake here. <clears throat> but it's one of those one of those problems where the solution really is let people exercise more freedom. And somehow we've been trained to see that as very dangerous and suspect in our time. Somebody might abuse that freedom. Yes, and what about those who would use it uh, productively? How come we never hear about them? This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Want to give a quick shout out here to the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage in St. George, Utah. Yep, these are the folks you want to talk to, not just if you're in St. George or Southern Utah, but if you are looking to secure a home loan, anywhere from a VA loan to a traditional loan to a reverse mortgage, talk to the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage because they can help you anywhere in the state of Utah. Why would you want to talk to them? Well, because Heather has decades of experience in the lending industry, and she really understands what the borrower needs. She understands what the lenders need. She has the clout to put it together and make it happen for you when time is of the essence. And if you've been trying to buy a home, you understand. Time really is of the essence. You do not have time to dilly-dally when it comes to you know, making an offer. You've got to know you've got your financing in order. <clears throat> 
today. Heather's NMLS ID is 715-386. Patriot Home Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity lender. Call her at 435-703-4522 or stop by her office at 619 South Bluff Street in St. George. So, look around you and you will notice that people in authority are panicking. And not because of the latest COVID variant, although that is the excuse that they're using, but because they realize their power over the public, their sway over the public, is waning. People are beginning to question. People are beginning to say, wait a minute. Do I really want to go along with this? This is why that media drumbeat of fear is intensifying by the second. Got a great article here from Paul Krause, who makes a very timely plea. Don't let them scare your freedoms away. I like his take on this. He says another new day, another new variant of the coronavirus, another new scare campaign by the tyrannical medical establishment and their media lackeys. By the way, the South African doctor who discovered the Omicron variant says the symptoms are mild. But this hasn't stopped a new fear campaign and overreaction by many governments. Though there is irony in that many who openly endorsed murdering unborn babies are suddenly enthused with such zeal to protect human life in combating COVID. The problem with the new fear campaign over the Omicron variant is the further degradation of liberty and constitutional rights already manifesting because of it. So as the new Cold War with China ratchets up, the Western world has dealt the cards against themselves. The trumpet of freedom and liberty cannot be sounded without charges of hypocrisy and hollowness as we witness the, witness the supposedly free democratic world, especially in places like Australia and New Zealand, not to mention the United Kingdom and, and Europe, engaging in some of the most vicious and tyrannical lockdowns in the world. Now, these lockdowns, restructuring of government power and control over businesses and individuals, aim at one thing, and that is the remaking of our relationship to the state. I think that is possibly the best explanation I have heard yet. I mean, the most succinct explanation. This is about redefining our relationship to the state. And what Paul Krause is saying here is that the totalitarians who've weaponized the coronavirus, what they fail to acknowledge is that they are the ones who politicized the virus, not the conservatives, libertarians, and the few remaining civil liberals concerned with the aggressive, militant overreach of the federal government and medical institutions. He says the new totalitarians assert those of us who wish to keep the flame of liberty and the human spirit alive, they accuse us of politicizing the virus. He says shame is their calling card. The claim that liberty-loving and defending individuals have weaponized the virus for political purposes does not stand up to scrutiny. Now, those critical of government overreach want to preserve and restore the constitutional liberties and way of life pre-pandemic. It has nothing to do with the coronavirus and everything to do with the basic structure of political society. We've been fighting to maintain the spirit of liberty against the new Bolsheviks before COVID. We remain defending the spirit of liberty against the new Bolsheviks during COVID. And he says, God willing, we'll continue to fight them after COVID. Moreover, he points out, and this is an important point to take away, liberty lost is hard to regain. Now, this is a truism that all liberty-loving people know. So he says, let us look at those conspiracies that turned out to be true. 
concern over the precedent set by national lockdowns were brushed, brushed aside as the talk of radicals. Flatten the curve, the proponents of the lockdown said. Reopen in two weeks, the proponents of the lockdown said. Lockdowns won't happen again, the proponents of the lockdown claimed. Everything will go back to normal, they claimed. Well, it turns out many places have re-entered lockdowns. Not only have they re-entered lockdowns, but the new lockdowns are more draconian than the first. And no critically thinking individual genuinely genuinely believes that when there's relaxation of lockdowns, if there is, when that begins, that somehow the world re- will return to the same way that it was before in terms of rights and liberty. Governments the world over have revealed their belief that they own you and can and should have control over your life and actions. So concern about creating a second class of citizens because of vaccine mandates, that was cast aside as silly talk. The talk of conspiracy theorists and other nut jobs. Yet we see in Democrat cities and states precisely that. The vaccinated are granted greater rights and privileges than the unvaccinated. Unvaccinated individuals, by contrast, are not only shamed, They're also being completely ostracized in society. Businesses penalize or fire them. You might even become a prisoner in your own home or apartment, as is happening in places like Austria. Some people might even impose their own imprisonment at the indirect advice of government, media, and health officials. Now, Paul Krauss says, Concern about the abrogation of basic freedoms and rights we formerly took for granted. Things like the human right to free protest, free worship of religion, free speech, have revealed the totalitarian impulse weaponized by the totalitarians inside our country as well as around the world. So we proclaim the dignity of free speech, of freedom of assembly, and free worship of God. Yet throughout the Western world and in various states in the U.S., the war against free speech, free assembly, and freedom of religion is getting even more aggressive than before. Agents of the state bully church-going congregants and anyone protesting tyrannical government policies. Say or type something that enrages the medical guardians and their digital mobs. Kiss your account goodbye. And for those who've raised issues about the totalitarian power plays by governments and politicians during this now never-ending pandemic, the fight remains the same. Don't let governments discard their own constitutional restraints in the name of public health and safety, the easiest veil for totalitarians to use in their tyrannical lusts in free societies because human nature instinctively wants to be safe. Don't let media and their strong-arm tactics scare you into submission. Don't willingly roll over and hand over your God-given rights and liberties to faceless bureaucrats and scientists. Now, what infuriated the totalitarians who are trying to use COVID as their means to remake society, was the fighting back by the people and a few courageous mayors and governors. Now with this variant of COVID emerging, they'll once again beat this drum of fear to try to scare us into submission and claim that those few politicians who are standing up for liberty and who don't bow to the altar of medical tyranny are reckless, uncaring brutes. Don't let them scare and shame you into surrendering your liberties. His point is totalitarianism doesn't sleep. The new medical communism and fascism that's being pushed by public health experts and their ilk will not rest until they have absolute control over you. So he says we can't let our guard down, 
even if they'll retort with all the usual insults and shaming. We who cherish liberty do not wish any of our fellow citizens to die from the coronavirus. But we also don't wish for that lifeblood of existence, our rights and liberties, to die as well. And the past year and a half has proved we should worry about the erasure of our our political and civil liberties just as we do our personal health. They kind of go hand in hand, truth be told. Got a link to the article in the show notes. Check them out for yourself at thebrianheidshow.com. We'll be right back. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Listen, if you find uh, if you find the content that I share with you useful, two things I want to ask of you. Number one, please consider subscribing. You can just go to my website, thebrianheidshow.com. Click the subscribe button. I will email you a copy of my show notes every time that I publish them. And that's uh, usually five times a week, you know, Monday through Friday. I put those show notes out there. This is not the answer to every question that mankind has ever faced. But I spend my days finding and then distributing the very best information, the most solid, the most principled and nonpartisan information that I can get my hands on. And and I do it free of charge. I'm, I'm happy to, to put it there for you. It's for people who want to follow up on these topics and hopefully to, to have the chance to, to get in there and and make up their own minds about what's going on. It's really not that hard. It's really not that difficult of a thing to do. But uh, very few people do it. So if you're one of those who pays the price and is willing to to dig deeper, you know, to go down the rabbit hole, so to speak, and, and to, to do your own research, that's what it's there for. And, and here's the second thing I would ask. Tell a friend. Not everybody's looking for this message, and I get that. I'm not, I'm not offended when people say, no, that's just not for me. But I know there are also people out there who are really sincerely looking for truth and light. And that's, I do my very best to, to share things that, messages and, and articles that have more light than just simply, you know, smoke and thunder. Speaking of thunder, as much as I'm tempted to pound the pulpit and really start thundering, I'm, I'm getting the sense that right now is a time to speak as calmly and as carefully as possible about the latest COVID variant. That's why I'm really grateful for writers like Daisy Luther, who notes that Omicron is a perfectly timed variant to scare the unruly back into submission. Listen to her take on this. She says, all around the world, people are getting fed up with draconian measures undertaken in the name of public safety. And although we're not hearing much about it in the news here in the United States, hundreds of thousands of people, maybe even millions, are protesting across the globe even though those protests are putting their very lives at risk. She lists places like Austria, the Netherlands, France, Italy, Croatia, and Australia all have hundreds of thousands of people rising up for freedom. Enter Omicron. No, it's not the new head of the Decepticons. That's the new strain of COVID out of South Africa Africa, that's causing a hullabaloo. Oh, she says, oh, hat tip to her bestie for the Transformers reference. (laughs) I never thought of that, but it does make sense. So 
Throughout this entire pandemic, she says, I've written from the heart, I've watched the patterns, and shared concerns when I thought that warnings were in order. In fact, Daisy Luther points out that she published their first article about what would soon be known as COVID back on January 22nd of 2020. Every day after that, for months, she says, I researched and wrote about the virus and the terrifying power grabs and brainwashing that came with it. Now, here's the thing. As a prepper, she says, I take pandemics seriously. This is something I've prepped for over the course of many years. She wrote about her experience of having COVID when she lived in Mexico. And unlike quite a few others in this industry, she says, I've never denied that the virus exists or that it can be serious. Our family has lost two loved ones to the illness, and I've lost two dear friends as well. So she says, I'm not a COVID denier. I recommended during the early phases that people get prepared for the potential of what she assumed might be a self-imposed lockdown as we all watched and waited to see how things played out. Interestingly enough, this enraged some of her readers, causing some to quit reading the website. Others left were, were left feeling more in control of their situations. But everything she wrote was written using the information that she personally deemed credible that she had available at the time. Then things got crazy. As with anything, once the government steps in to take control of a situation, things tend to go downhill like a silk sled on a greasy slide. We were forced to shut down for just two weeks that ended up turning into months. And she says it was a half-assed lockdown, which has made it utterly pointless. If you're trying to stop a communicable disease, your lockdown is a lockdown completely. Nobody in or out. Now, if you're trying to impoverish a nation and gain total control, well, a half-assed lockdown is just what the doctor, especially one who's going to profit from it, ordered. It allows the illness to spread widely, unchecked, and still overwhelms the medical facilities and other services it promises to protect, while utterly destroying the economy and the personal finances of the American people. Then bring in the lies and division. Masks don't work. Masks work. Everyone must wear a mask. Maybe you should wear two masks. If you don't wear masks, you hate old people. And repeat with the word vaccine instead of mask. So now America's firmly split, and instead of being a public health issue, it's a political issue. Anyway, she says, that's not the point of this article. We all know what happened, and most of us have less faith in government than ever before. But the point is, viruses mutate. In fact, there's a new variant to the COVID virus in the news right now called Omicron. Now, she says, before we get too deep into this variant, let's remember another terrifying variant, Super COVID. Do you remember that? It was going to be the death of us all. The word mutation was bandied about the news like the virus had suddenly grown into the size of a German shepherd and rose to walk around on two legs to get us. But viruses mutate. Now, she says, keep in mind, I'm not a virologist or a medical professional. Neither are the politicians taking advantage of this crisis. The folks pimping big pharma drugs or the journalists writing breathless headlines. Daisy Luther says, I'm just another writer out there reading stuff and trying to figure this out. The same as everyone else. Mutation is a scary word. It brings to mind every sci-fi nightmare brought to life on the big screen of some lab-born creature that gets totally out of control. It makes you think of rats so big you could saddle and ride them. Crazy, terrifying stuff. But viruses mutate. It's the nature of a virus. To survive, unlike plants and other organisms, the only way a virus can reproduce 
is through a host cell, which it does by attaching its surface proteins to the cell's membrane, then injecting its genetic material into the cell. This genetic material, either DNA or RNA, then carries with it the instructions to the cell's machinery to make more viruses. These new viruses then leave the cell and spread to other parts of the host organism. But host organisms are not passive observers to this process. And over time, a human's or a pig's immune system can learn from these encounters and develop strategies to prevent reinfection. So the next time the same virus comes to a host cell, it may find that it's no longer able to attach to the cell's surface membrane. To survive, viruses must adapt or evolve, changing its surface proteins enough to trick the host cell into allowing it to attach. So while the headlines are scary, and meant to be, just remember it's perfectly natural that this virus has changed. And Daisy Luther says a a mutation isn't necessarily a bad thing. A virus doesn't want to rapidly kill its host because then the virus dies too. So the evolution of a virus can have many different results. It can make the change in symptoms, it can make it more contagious, it can make it more deadly, or it can make it milder in order to affect more hosts. Just the fact that the virus mutated is not a death knell. So keep in mind, it's normal. And then along comes Omicron. Just as people were beginning to stand up and fight back, to file suits, to take back control of their lives, their finances and businesses, along came a mutation from South Africa called Omicron, the one destined to scare us all back into submission. And the news right now is all about the Omicron variant of COVID. She says, I hate to say it, but... (sighs) whatever. It's the worst, the most deadly, the most contagious variant ever. And yes, she's linking to the articles that proclaim it such. Oh, and it's probably vaccine-resistant too. Well, unfortunately for the media, Fauci and those benefiting from lockdowns and vaccines, the scientist who identified the the Omicron variant said, in fact, it's extremely mild. Here's a quote from an article. Contrary to the panic-mongering unleashed by Western mainstream media, Barry Shobe, chairman of the Ministerial Advisory Committee on Vaccines, told Sky News on Sunday that while South Africa, which first identified the new variant, currently has 3,220 people with the coronavirus infection overall, and while the variant does appear to be spreading rapidly, there's been no real uptick in hospitalizations. Shobe said the cases that have occurred so far have been mild cases, mild to moderate cases, And that's a good sign, adding that it was still early days and nothing was certain yet. Most importantly, and running counter to the fear-mongering narrative being pumped out 24-7 by mainstream media, Shub said the large number of mutations found in the Omicron variant appears to destabilize the virus, which might make it less less fit than the dominant Delta strain. Okay, this is where we're going to tap the brakes because we were up on a break ourselves. There's more to this article, and I'm going to come back to it here in the next segment. You can also check it out for yourself in my show notes at thebrianheidshow.com. You might even want to subscribe to a Daisy Luther's Organic Prepper website. Lots of great information there. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. 
Hey, welcome back to the show. Want to send out some love to uh, lifesavingfood.com. That would be the food storage company my friend Kendall Whiting runs. And he has done something so generous for my listeners. I, I don't know that you can appreciate this unless you have been shopping food storage recently and you realize, okay, food everywhere is getting more expensive. In fact, there there are shortfalls sometimes in the supply chain. There have been some delays in getting certain types of food. You probably noticed the price of meats especially is, is going up. Still, it's a very good idea to have these things. And here's here's where Kendall comes through like a knight in shining armor. Because he is a distributor for ReadyWise Foods. And these foods have a nice 25-year shelf life. <clears throat> There's lots of variety to choose from. Different grab-and-go buckets or stackable buckets. You know, you can get as big or as small an order as you would like. But for my listeners, Kendall is saying, you tell them to use the coupon code HYDE, H-Y-D-E, at checkout. And I'll give them a 25% discount. That's better than you would get if you went to ReadyWise directly. It's a great deal. And I hope you'll take advantage of it. I hope you'll consider it maybe even for gift giving needs this year. Give people food storage. Give them things that will give them a better place to stand, a more firm piece of ground upon which to stand as the world moves forward. You'll find a link in the show notes for lifesavingfoods.com. Use that coupon code HIDE to claim your 25% discount. I've been sharing this article from Daisy Luther about the Omicron variant. And the last thing we talked about in the last segment was how <clears throat> the experts or the, the leaders in uh, South Africa, where this variant was discovered, say that uh, <clears throat> it's actually a fairly mild virus, but from what they can tell. And it may be less fit than the dominant Delta strain, to which Daisy responds, well, that's certainly inconvenient. Governments are losing all that delicious control they've grown so fond of, and they don't like it. So she suggests, watch what you actually see and pay less attention to the breathless news reports on this one. She says, I'm very skeptical about it. Remember, I'm not a COVID doesn't exist person. She says, I've had it and it sucked. But this? Now, Daisy Luther says, I'm thoroughly unconvinced that this is going to be the one that gets us all unless we roll up our sleeves yet again for the latest and greatest from Pfizer and friends. Now, she says, I could be wrong. This could end up being the most serious thing since smallpox or the Black Plague. I'm not suggesting you completely ignore it. Her point is to be watchful. And if you think things look bad, then take the appropriate steps. You're a prepper after all. But the information she has currently doesn't indicate that this is the threat that it's being portrayed as in the media. We'll just have to see what happens. Oh, and about the name Omicron. She points out how, incidentally, the World Health Organization skipped around some letters of the Greek alphabet to come up with Omicron. The World Health Organization explained why it skipped the Greek letters NU, N-U, and G, X-I, in naming the uh, COVID-19 variant Omicron. <clears throat> Two letters were skipped because NU and G, uh, were one, one was easily confounded with the word NU, N-E-W, and G was not used because it's a common surname, ha, wink, wink, and the World Health Organization best practices for naming a new disease suggests avoid causing offense to any cultural, social, national, regional, professional, or ethnic groups. That's what the UN agency told the Epic Times in a statement on November 27th. It also happens to be the, uh, you know, name of the uh, leader of the Chinese Communist Party. Just saying, you know, maybe Winnie the Pooh's not really fond of 
you know, having his name attached to a virus that uh, coincidentally came from China. Wow. What a thought. Professor Jonathan Turley, a criminal attorney and professor at George Washington University, speculated the World Health Organization is again avoiding any discomfort for the Chinese government in skipping the Xi letter and naming it uh, Omicron. The new variant was supposed to be new, NU, but any additional variant would then be Z, which is uh, just happens to be the name of the Chinese litter, leader. Rather, sorry, that was a really bad Freudian, Freudian script there. Can we all just give it a rest, says Daisy Luther, and admit China owns the World Health Organization and get on with our pandemic, please? And she poses a couple of questions here. What do you think about the Omicron variant? Do you think this new and scary variant is, is everything it's cracked up to be? Do you think it'll lead to worsening illnesses? Or are you more concerned that it will lead to more overreach? She invites you to leave your thoughts in the comments. Look, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know how seriously to take this. I do know this. Whatever trust I may have once had in uh, in our media or in most of the political leadership, not just in this country, but everywhere, it's gone. I have no trust for, for these for the media organizations. I have no trust for the people in authority who are scrambling to take advantage of our uncertainty. And, you know, it's it's hard to, to say this because, you know, people will, what if you're wrong? Well, there is a possibility I could be wrong. But see, that's the difference between me and both the media as well as the people who are clamoring for more authority. They can't admit they're wrong. And that should tell you something because they're human beings. They're, they're just like you and me. They're not made from finer clay, as, as uh, Bastiat would say. They're just as prone to being wrong. And I don't know why people are so intent on, but we have to believe them. We have to believe. Trust the science. Follow the science. You know, and then it starts saying, well, what is this, a new religion? Should we be chanting in unison or something? I mean, come on, help me out here. I think more than anything, what this illustrates is something which I'm certain some of you have figured out, maybe most of you figured out, over the last couple of years. But it's simply this. If you want to be informed, if you want to know what's going on in the world around you, you are the one who's going to have to step up and be your own fact checker. Well, I'm not a virologist. You don't have to be. Because the whole world isn't defined just by virology. All you need to do is understand what are correct principles. What principles have stood the test of time and are they being violated in order to address this or not. That's really what it comes down to. I mean, come on, the world has faced some pretty dangerous stuff. Okay, the Black Plague, Ebola, wars and so forth. The key here is don't be buffaloed into giving up your autonomy. Be willing to to think things through. Be willing to sort that fact from fiction. And here's the hardest part. Be willing to trust yourself. Now, I'm not trying to make anybody uncomfortable when I suggest this, but um, experience has shown me and, and just reinforced this over and over in the last few years. If you sincerely want to know where you stand, I think there is no greater source that you can turn to than God. And if you don't believe in God, you know, even, even my friends who say, well, I don't really know. I don't, be- I don't know for sure that there is a God. What am I supposed to do? They still have an innate sense of right and wrong. 
Their moral compass will tell them, hey, you're getting off course, and they recognize that. So whatever that is, however the universe tells you when you are, you know, off course or you get that feeling like, I really shouldn't be doing this, pay attention to that. If you're a believer, um, it's, it's really as simple as just humbling yourself and, and asking God for direction, asking God for help, asking for understanding. How about this? Asking for protection. Do you believe a God that created the entire universe could protect you if you were to ask? Now, I'm not going to guarantee you. Therefore, you know, nothing bad will ever happen to you again. Look, we live in a world that is governed by rules and laws that unfortunately uh, dictate that every person who's born into this world will die. Everybody. Nobody escapes it. But I can tell you from personal experience, if you are putting your trust in things other than simply what this politician is saying or this media figure is saying or even what I'm saying, I may be sincere and you may feel like, Brian, I've got a camaraderie with you. I I feel like I can trust what you're saying. I could still be wrong. It's far more important that you pick up that ball and run with it and you determine for yourself, is this right or isn't it? I'm not insisting that I see you in Sunday school next Sunday. Come on, yeah, chop, chop, 10 o'clock sharp. We're going to be there. I'm just suggesting that uh, there's a resource that's available to us that often gets overlooked. And when I, if I could really just be blunt, when it comes down to it, the most important decisions that I've had to make in my life are those that I have uh, first consulted with my creator before I made those decisions. And I've made plenty of mistakes in my life, and I've chosen poorly many a time in my life. But those times where I have sought advice from the divine and then followed that advice have always turned out to be the right thing to do, even if sometimes it was the hard thing to do. That's a tough thing to explain because it's a very personal thing, and I can't tell you. It's a cookie-cutter thing. Everybody gets the same result, the same answer. All I can tell you is that's that's a source that you can actually trust. And if you've been figuring that out, keep after it. If it's time to see for yourself, find out for yourself. This is The Brian Hyde Show.